Good morning, folks. And we are back for our third episode of South of Cheddar Curtain. It's your host, Devin Hine. Sitting across the table from me is Luke Mueller. You want to say hi again, Luke? Hi again. <laughs> Alrighty. So, you guys might have heard there was a game between the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints. And safe to say, it did not go as he thought it was going to go. No. Um, I believe the title of our last episode was Can Jameis See? We have an answer. We have an answer. Jameis can definitely see at he least see. at least short short, short term, right? Short. I mean, he had the one long pass, but yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Well, in the one long pass, there was no Packer within like 15 yards. Like I said, we can get into that. We can get into that trauma later. <laughs> definitely a little bit of, a little bit of crow eating on my end. I think I was a little maybe a little aggressive, a little optimism, optimistic with my predictions for last week's game. But on my defense, what I will say is these are all things that I expected to happen because I expected the Green Bay Packers to get off the bus and show up and play. Which is something they definitely did not do. Um, I will say a couple of the people you kind of picked out individually, of course, showed up. All right, so we can start with that. Before we get into our full game review, uh, I'm going to, I'm gonna what is it, eat crow? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the expression. So yeah. Chris Hogan, obviously, you listened to the show last week. Thank you. I appreciate your support. I wish you could have just called me up and you know said something instead of scoring on my Packers. But I see you, Chris Hogan. Well done at age 45, whatever you want to know. Who else? Jameis. I wasn't Jameis. scared of you. You did yeah. some nice things as well. Um, I mean, he had four touchdown passes and 98 yards. So, pretty impressive. Five. Well, no, four at 98 yards. He had five at the end of the game. Okay, Captain Stats. All yeah. right. <sighs> Didn't see that coming. Well done, Luke. All right. I think those are the only ones I really <clears throat> called out. Yeah, yeah. Really, uh, Christian Ringo. Did he, did he do anything? I don't, he didn't do anything. Okay. So we we were right on that one. <laughs> All right. So let's go into our game review. Yeah. Let's start on offense. Tell me things. I was gonna say things you liked, but <laughs> never mind. Can't go there. Just share me your thoughts. Fire away. Okay. Well, I'm gonna do things I liked anyways first, and that was Jordan Love. Two beautiful passes. On crossing routes to people that didn't even play really the rest of the game. We'll get in, we can get into that a little bit deeper, but that's the only thing I took away as a positive from the offense, really, because I think it didn't really look like last year's offense at all. No, it looked much closer to McCarthy. So 2018, 2019, first year Lafleur holding the ball too long, trying to take deep shot, not taking what's available. Uh, I didn't really see any misdirection or. Or anything like that. I mean, that whole Tyler Irvin role that we thought that Amari and Cobb would just blow up and be super Tyler Irvin just wasn't a thing at all. Realistically, we didn't run any plays that looked like that. So I was that was a little bit disturbing to watch. Actually, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head. I was going to say something similar, right? Tyler Irvin was just a street level guy, pretty replacement level player. Yeah, we get Cobb. We get Amari Rodgers. You can't tell me they wouldn't be upgrades, and we don't run it once. Nope. We only see them when it's when it's garbage time. And I guess, as much as I hate to say it, yes, Love's throws were nice, albeit they were against Packers-style, cover four, <laughs> super prevent defense. He still hit somebody in stride, so Jordan Love, you get a little round of applause from me. Yep. On my end... Not to, you know, toot my own horn, I, I did say look for A.J. Dillon to have a good game. And he did have, like, four nice rushes. 
Average, like, what, four and a half yards a clip? Yeah, he rushed four times for uh, 19 yards, so 4.8. 4.8, okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we need to be running the ball a lot more than that. The fact that he led the team in rushing, that's a problem with 19 yards. And with four attempts. Hey, Kylan Hill and Aaron Jones both got five, to be fair. They just didn't really do much with them. Yeah, what were their averages? Two, three, uh, something yeah. Aaron Jones had 1.8. This is average. So that's that's a problem. Yeah, he did not look good at all. Granted, the offensive line, I think, didn't have a strong performance as a whole in the running game. Yeah, I would agree. Not a lot of push. So, as we were discussing earlier, A.J. Dillon does not go down easily, right? So even if he gets at the line scrimmage, he's still going to get two or three just because of the, the behemoth that he is. Correct. Aaron Jones has a much bigger, like, long play potential, much more explosive. But if he gets caught in the backfield, I mean, he can definitely go down with one guy tackling him. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's exactly what we saw. I gotta say, I did not love what I saw to Rodgers. He was definitely out of sync, like you said. Not taking checkdowns. You had the two interceptions on that first one in the, in the red zone. He has Devontae, waits on it. Yep. Might have got kicked in the nuts, he said, on the Pat McAfee <laughs> show. I'm not sure if he was kidding. And then just a, just a terrible, like, two or three yards behind the receiver. Yeah, just, you can't do that. Switching e- out in the red zone. Easy interception. Yeah. And then on the one to my boy Randy Moss, I mean Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Arm punt. That's an arm punt. Horrible. In the postgame, Rodgers tried to defend it. So the play, folks, if you remember, I want to say it was in the second quarter. Marquez Valdez-Scantling runs a deep post. It looks like the Saints are running some sort of cover one. You have one safety over the top. Yeah, one safety over the top who looked like he was going to go over to Devontae's side. Yeah, Devontae was running a corner route, and Aaron's like, oh, well, the safety will just stay over there. But even if he did, Aaron, the corner that was covering Marquez was probably 10 yards off. Yeah. And Marquez is a burner, but he's not, like, twice the speed of somebody. No. He was still covered. Poor pass. Yeah. Poor decision. Arm punt. Arm punt. Yeah, because then you overthrew him by 10 yards anyway, so it didn't matter. So we have disappointing run blocking, Aaron making bad decisions, and like you said, a 2019 Mike McCarthy-like play calling. So I, I don't know what happened. That's how you get three points. <laughs> That's how you get three <laughs> points. Oh, positive though. New punter looked great. Yes, Corbo Horkaz across the board. I listened to a, a lot of different Packer uh Reporters and podcasters and guys in ESPN, and that was the only bright spot that anyone would report. <laughs> Corey Bajorquez, which I was a little skeptical of. I was skeptical, definitely. But, Corey, good job. Well done, sir. Thank good you. Job. <sighs> now, now we go to defense? Yeah, let's talk about the what we realistically didn't see from the defense. So, I, I pained myself to go back and watch the film study. And the amount of times that Jair Alexander was 8 to 10 yards off the line of scrimmage was disturbing. I mean, that's something we've talked about, or that's been talked about for a couple of years, the last couple of years under Mike Penn, right? As we have these big, well, in Kevin King's case, big physical guys, Jair just aggressive, yes. right? You want those people in your face. You want them to play aggressive, not play back and let things happen. And we saw pretty much more of the same. In this game, which I was hoping to be a little bit more aggressive, especially given our secondary. We have good athletes overall, I think, and let them play to that strength. 
and it's not what we saw. No, not at all. This, uh, the Saints' first two drives are both over 15 yards. 15 plays, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes. They were definitely over 15 <laughs> yards, but they were also over 15 plays. Yeah. It was just, it was death by a thousand cuts. Um, a lot of underneath stuff was open. One thing I did not expect was Jameis was able to run a couple times. Yeah, he looked pretty pretty fleet of foot, all things considered. Never looked really at a strength of his. Do, yeah, do you ever remember seeing him run even in college? No, he didn't even run in college much. I mean, he looks pretty thin now. Looks like he's in better shape than he probably ever has been. But, I mean, I still didn't expect him to gash us on some third downs like that. And unlike Rodgers, he was willing to take what was open. Yeah, which is kind of anti-Jameis, as we've come to know him, right? And so, like we said last week, high risk, high reward. Well, he took pretty much all of the risk out of that. He didn't really throw any risky passes. He had a very... One. One. But we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get to that right. Um, but kind of a good game manager role, realistically. He just took what was there, you know, made a big-time throw when he had to, and the rest of the time just kind of take what the defense gave him, which was a lot, to we, be fair. Yes, we gave him a lot. I feel like we were in cover four. We were in off coverage. God, it felt like 70% of the time. Yeah, and I think if you're the defense and you go into the game thinking that if you give up less than 150 pass yards, you're probably going to win the game unless they gash you on the ground. Kamara only had 83 rush yards. On paper, that means we should have steamrolled them, right? The exact opposite happened. They were ultra-efficient. And kind of like you said, just took up so much time with those drives. Never kept our defense gassed and helped make sure that our offense never got into a rhythm. Which, honestly, I'm not sure it ever would have, regardless of the amount of plays they had at this point. But So the Bengals-Vikings game, at least for me at home, was on the TV for the first quarter. So I think I got to watch the Packers' second possession defensively. And by that point... They were already gassed. They, we were gassed. Yeah. So we were not getting any help from the pass rush. Um, the one thing I did want to point out in coverage was there was one play we did go press, and they sent, what is, Little Humphrey, Little Jordan Humphrey, whatever yep. his name is. Little Jordan Humphrey. Little, there we go. Little Jordan Humphrey. I can't believe <laughs> you'd allow your name to be Little Jordan. If you're listening, DM me. Let, let me know. I'm curious the story behind that one. So they sent Little Jordan on a go route down the sideline, Jairs, and press coverage, and what do you know? One of the top corners in the NFL when he's in press coverage bats the ball away and complete pass. It's kind of shocking, right? When you let them do their thing. Yeah. Weird. Speaking of corners, here we go again. <laughs> so last week we did talk about Mr. Kevin King. Yeah. And I said that, you know, motivation, fear of losing your job is good motivation. He seemed like he was really invested in coming back stronger this season. Yeah, you had some high hopes for him. <sighs> He's like that girl you keep going back to. And your friends say, she's trash, don't do it. I keep going back to you, Kevin King. And you keep on hurting me. Yeah, he was bad. He was bad. The, I think there was only... So there was the Shadatra Jair that he broke up. And then there yep. were two, pa- two or three passes down the field, like 20-something yards. Right. They all went to Kevin King. Well, yeah, because they're smart. Sean Payne's a smart guy. <laughs> and Kevin King was nowhere near, especially Ew. on that Deontay Harris touchdown. I mean, he was nowhere near. It was like shades of the NFC title game. Same sort of like seven or eight yards behind the play. 
Same sort of feel. Yep. One thing I did laugh about afterwards, so there was a play probably in the third quarter. The Saints have a third down. They're trying to hit their tight end on an in route. And someone dives on the play, breaks it up. Guy's got short dreads, jersey. It looked like number 20. I'm like, oh, my God, Kevin King. And then he gets up, and I realize it's Eric Stokes, who's number 21. <laughs> but they both have, like, the same length of dreads. So I think True. they're easy to, mistake, easy to yeah. mistake for each other. So I think there doesn't need to be, like, a general progression. You know, like, how many snaps did Stokes play? What, six, you said? Eight snaps. Eight. 56 for Kevin King. I don't want, you know, maybe 10 or 12 snaps this week. No, I want you, I want it to be like 70-30. Give 70% of the snaps to Stokes. You can still give King a little bit to give the rookie some of a break, but like, it's so clear. We're just wasting time. We're just wasting space with Kevin King. I agree. Now, unfortunately, I doubt that's what happens. I expect that we will get kind of a gradual increase of Eric Stokes. Um, especially given that he didn't play in the preseason, which is a baffling decision if you're not going to play him in the regular season either. Um, so we need more Eric Stokes. I'm just afraid it's going to come in little doses. I'm gonna, I'm afraid the next week we're going to see, you know, maybe 15 snaps, that kind of thing. Not quite the, you know, 40 snaps you're hoping for. But uh, here's hoping because Kevin King was real bad. The icing on the <laughs> cake with Kevin King was, I want to say, fourth quarter when they went up to 38 points. Saints are towards the goal line, and they run like slant crossers pretty much. Essentially a pick play, right, if you're in man coverage. And it was like something out of the Three Stooges. Kevin King and Shandon Sullivan ran right into each other. They were both pancaked, and the the Saints were tight end that was just converted to a tight end, it sounded like. Yeah, Jawan Johnson. Jawan Johnson was wide open for a second touchdown. What a day that guy had. Three catches, two touchdowns. Good for him. Yeah. So I'm glad that we were able to that to do that against somebody who just learned tight end when we're going to be going up against a up-and-coming tight end this week. Yeah, that could be a problem. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, on defense, I was happy, though. Rashawn Gary did get some pressure. Yeah, he had a good amount of pressures. On that first touchdown to the tight end, it looked like it was a, like a play-action rollout. Mm-hmm. Not quite spider 2 wide banana that John Gruden loves. Well, pretty but pretty close. Similar concept. <laughs> So Jameis is rolling out. Uh, he's looking for the fullback. Fullback is like double covered, and Gary gets a hand on him. Jameis somehow is able to do a like pretty miraculous throw slightly across his body to find this tight end. Amos is right there and just doesn't have good play on the ball. He just didn't really do anything. Yeah, yeah. guy goes up for it, and Amos just kind of hugged him, make sure it came <laughs> down safely. I guess that was considerate of him. What a good friend. <sighs> You know, I don't want my safeties to be known as nice guys. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, especially not the what you consider the big, hard-hitting, strong safety of the group. Mm-mm. Speaking of safeties, so there was that ultra-controversial. And by ultra-controversial, I mean nobody agreed that that <laughs> roughing the passer penalty should have been roughing the passer penalty. Right? That was textbook how they want you to hit the quarterback now. Didn't go high. Nope. Didn't drive. Didn't hit his knee. There's so few didn't spots you can hit him. Yeah. Exactly. But on that play, Jair makes a hell of an interception, runs it back 50 yards. What did I say? You said Jair. I said Jair. Folks, I'm (laughs) sorry. The trauma from last week still has me spinning in circles. It was savage. Thank you, Luke. Runs it back, what, 40, 50 yards. Game's still probably over at that point. It felt like a little bit of a spark. 
and he gets hurt on that play. Yeah, which could be huge. Could be huge. I think he was a limited participant so far this week, so we're going to have to see about if he can go Monday night, because if he can't... Your boy Henry Black. But Henry Black is a strong safety. We don't have that main to choose from. Well, it's him and Vernon Scott, and I think Vernon Scott's also still banged up. So it's probably Henry Black. Unless we maybe, like... Bring Apa for one of those guys. I was gonna say, what are you doing Monday night? You want to go play <laughs> free safety? <laughs> I'll see. I'll see how my schedule looks. Let me let me call the boss real quick. <laughs> yeah, limit or uh, so Vernon Scott and Darnell Savage are both limited participants in practice this week. So uh, there could be worse news. They could be out of practice. Yeah, they could not have practiced at all. But that's not great. That's for sure. I think in the presser, what was it? Tuesday, LaFleur said that he thinks that Savage should be able to be back since we have an extra day. So we can cross our fingers for that. Yep. Any other positives on defense that you wanted to bring up? Um, I think TJ Slayton had a good play or two. Okay. That's about it. I think he blew up a run, if I remember correctly. Um, it was nice to see him get some snaps. Uh, I don't think he got enough. Realistically, looking at him here... Who do you think, here's a question, who do you think got the second most snaps on the D-line? Nothing. You see, folks, you can't, <laughs> it's a podcast, so you can't see emotions, which is really unfortunate, but Luke is smiling at me, so I'm going to say it's his boy, Tyler Lancaster. No, no, close though, Dean Lowry. Dean Lowry. Did you notice Dean Lowry do anything? Dean Lowry played? Yeah. Almost the exact same amount of snaps as Kenny Clark. That's my point. I saw Kenny on the field. Kenny did things. Kenny had some penetration. Yeah. Dean, though. Mm. You know, it's like, it's like <laughs> I've been saying that we need to have somebody else because you just have Dean Lowry or Tyler Lancaster, and they're just bodies. They just take up a, a uniform. I'm sure they're great guys. I'm sure they do a lot in the community and off the field. But I need more. Yeah. Like, I need you to do something. Like we talked about depth pieces. I'm fine if they're the backups. I don't want either one of them starting. Agreed. So, so give me more Kiki, give me more Slayton, give me more of my boy Jack Heflin, pretty much anybody besides those two, because we know what they are at this point. Their bodies. If we don't get more production out of those three, Slayton, Heflin, or Kiki. Or Kiki. You know, we've talked about if this is the last dance season, that might be the position we have to trade for before the deadline. If we can't find somebody else to help Kenny Clark, that could be the biggest hole. That's true. What's Snacks doing? Can we sign him so we won't play him again? Is that an option? Can we do I, that? Saw, I saw him for a few snacks. A few snacks. <laughs> I saw him for a few snaps. S-N-A-P snaps for Snacks Harrison in the NFC title game. But yeah, he, he didn't do much. No, we didn't get a lot of run on him. But. So big surprise. National media kind of shit all over us after the 38-3 loss. Well deserved. It was probably the worst loss of week one. Us and the Falcons, realistically. I also think one of the worst losses we've seen is Packer fans. Yeah, and, and really the big thing, I think, that I've taken away from this is if we lose, this is kind of how we lose, right? This isn't the first time this has happened. No, this is basically what happened in Tampa Bay last year, the first time. In Tampa the first yep. time, the year before, both in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers. Yep. And then I think it was that year, too, that we went and played the Chargers in L.A. Oh, and just completely got walked. Yeah. So th there is this the storyline that is now developing that 
there's just certain games, I guess, in Florida and in California, we just can't show up. Right. It's we, like we never got off the bus. We never got off the bus. I don't know. Maybe I can't play free safety for the Packers Monday night, but maybe I can call. I'll call and see if I can drive the bus <laughs> to the stadium to make sure that they get off the bus and play. That's fair. That's fair. We could probably use that. We could use a little hype. Good Lord. So that's something they need to figure out. Yeah, you're going to play... Obviously, there are lots of teams in Florida and California. You're going to have to go there once in a while. You know, let's talk about some of the best teams in the NFC. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. Oh, that's Florida. Yep. San Francisco 49ers. Oh, that's California. Mm-hmm. Seattle Seahawks. Not California, but close enough. And we have our own nightmares of there. We're not going there in that episode <laughs> today, folks. That's too much trauma. We need to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, because that's going to... It's going to keep coming up every year at this point. So. Now, we did have a similar Achilles heel when Rodgers first started. Rodgers' first year after Favre left, we lost a lot of one-score games. Yeah, we couldn't close. He, I feel like he always got the ball back with you know two minutes to go, and he'd throw an interception or turnover on downs or whatever it was. And going the next season, I thought, we just have to break this curse. We just mm-hmm. have to get over this. First game, we play the Bears, and he does it. And then he's been great in those situations ever since. Exactly. That is a goal now for the rest of the season. We'll get a couple chances, so that's good. We do go to San Fran in two weeks. If we could get this monkey off of our back, wonderful. If not, if not, we have to win the rest of our games so we have home field advantage. Correct. Or else we're not going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, funny we're talking about Super Bowl after, <laughs> after we lost 38-3 to three. and didn't show up. Playoffs! <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe a little early. Let's uh, see if we can get a win Monday. All right. Good point. Jermichael Finley. Yeah. So those of you who might have missed it, folks, Jermichael Finley, former tight end for the Green Bay Packers, uh, went on one of the national radio shows and was saying how he thinks that Aaron just doesn't have it anymore, just has no desire to win based on his body language during the game. And this isn't the first negative comment that Jermichael Finley has made about Aaron since retiring, and I just don't get where it comes from, right? Jermichael Finley was somebody drafted, I want to say, second or third round, really raw prospect out of Texas. You see a lot of these guys just don't pan out, but Jermichael did pan out because Aaron took him under his wing. Yeah, that's true. He did, and, I mean, he never fully got rid of the drop situation, but he had a couple really great seasons um, that are historic, at least in as far as the Packers in the tight end position. So I'm with you. I don't really understand where this is coming from. I mean, it's not the only person. We've seen Greg Jennings kind of turn his back on Aaron Rodgers at times. So something clearly happened in that time frame. But I don't understand the personal attacks and saying that he doesn't have that hunger anymore. I don't think you can necessarily make that claim after one game. Aaron has ascended to a higher level of being, (laughs) right? He's, he's calm, he's cool, he's relaxed. He doesn't go out and say that he's doing, you know, Buddhism, meditation practice, but that's what he just feels like to me. Yeah. He's zen. He's zen all the time. Yeah. So his lack of body language, when we're getting blown out, doesn't bother me. Other people's? Oh, most certainly does. But I'm not buying into the Aaron doesn't care, or he doesn't have anything invested anymore. That's just a bunch of baloney. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I don't believe that for a second. Now, like I said, a lot's going to 
I think a lot is going to be shown with how we come out Monday. Oh, definitely. We're going to learn a lot. Well, that's what LaFleur said after the postgame. He said, he, we're going to learn who we are very quickly. Yeah, I think the first quarter is going to be very telling. Even if we don't necessarily start blowing them out up 21-0 at the end of the first quarter, we need to see some sort of effort, hunger, um, excitement, especially going to be at home with fans. For the first time since that Seattle game. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a big deal. If they can't get up for this one, we have problems. It's only week two. Yeah. But if we can't get up and win this game, we have real problems. Yes, we do. This is as much of a must-win game in week two which, that I think we could have imagined. Which sounds ridiculous given that it's Monday Night Football against the Lions in week two, but here we are. Folks, we follow it up with week three. We quote-unquote go to San Francisco. We, we hope we go to San Francisco. we show up to San Francisco? I don't know. The history's not great on that. We'll see. And then week four, we host Pittsburgh, who looked pretty good against Buffalo. Yeah, and that defensive front could be a problem. That defensive front is nasty, and it's going to be a lot of Najee Harris. And our run defense has looked porous, to say the least. So I think this is a definite must-win game. I also think there's a lot of pressure on Matt LaFleur. Okay. So we already talked about how vanilla the game plan looked. Right. Yeah. We got a, we got away from our jet motions, from that creativity. But something that people forget on the other side of the ball. Joe Barry is Matt LaFleur's guy. And no one really knows why. No one knows why. So I was listening to my one of my inspirations for our show, Locked On Packers, and they do a um they match up with the host for Locked On Lions. And when the yep. name Joe Barry was brought up, yep. the, the guy on the Lions podcast scoffed. He <laughs> cringed. Do you know why, folks? Because when the Lions went 0-16 in 2007, guess who their defensive coordinator was? Our man Joe Barry. Our man Joe Barry. And then he went to Washington. I think he was fine. In his last gig, he was the Rams linebacker coach before he came to be RDC. Right. Our defense last year with Mike Patton, top 10. Wasn't great. We thought it should have been better at points. NFC title game, first half was a little rough. You know, there's that miscommunication on that deep play before halftime. We felt like really changed the game. 100%. Not going to blame Petten for that. There was a miscommunication between him and the floor. Is what it is. But what I will say is that in that second half, Petten's like, oh crap, maybe we should blitz Brady. We should make an adjustment, which is one of the biggest parts of coaching, is making an adjustment. Yep. And then Brady threw three picks, and we should have won that game. We should have. You forced Tom Brady to throw three interceptions in a conference championship game. You should win. Not only should you win, but then we replace him? Yeah. We replace him with somebody who does not have a great record. No, no. Not a great resume. I was okay with replacing Patton. Depending on who we got as a in his stead, and I, Joe Barry, if anything, kind of felt like a step backwards. And I was hoping that I would be proven wrong week one. That did not happen because the defense did not look ready. There was no aggression to them at all. We weren't getting home. We weren't getting, hitting Jameis at all. And I think that's going to be a key to get to golf. We need to put pressure on golf. So we'll see how that goes. We need to put pressure on golf, and we have to play more man or just play more cover two or cover three when you're sitting back in cover four 
you know, people talk about coverage sacks, right? Mm-hmm. Those aren't going to happen when you're playing cover four because you can just take stuff underneath. Right. And people can tease Jared Goff. I know he's a bit of a meme. I watched the 49ers game. He's captain dink and dunk. He's going to take what the defense gives him. Mm-hmm. And as we saw against Jameis, we can die death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, we don't need any more 15-play drives. No. <laughs> or 15-yard drives, as I said earlier. <laughs> we could use more 15-yard drives on defense. I'd be fine. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of pressure. A lot yeah. of pressure on the team as a whole. LaFleur, our new DC. I'm, you know, I'm hoping that the defense looking so bad was a product of just the whole team not showing up, but there were some definite, definite schematic concerns. That was my bigger problem with it. Like, if the team doesn't show up, that's one thing. But I didn't see any adjustments. I didn't really see us doing anything different. No personnel adjustments. We didn't start bringing a lot more pressure or playing more aggressive. So, hopefully, we get an extra day, like you said. Come up with a better game plan against the Lions. We'll see also. Something else a disturbing trend was how often we were still trying to figure stuff out when the ball was snapped. Like, you see our corners and linebackers communicating with coverage. Right. I'm sure there was a lot of broken and busted plays. Yeah, if I remember right, there was one play that we took a timeout, and there was no reason to because they weren't set up either. And there were, like, two seconds left on the plate clock. We took one out because we weren't ready. It's a waste of a timeout at that point. I think that goes to the larger issue, which is what I'm afraid of. If the defense isn't playing fast... It's not because we don't have athletes. We've remade the defense. We have athletes on defense. I think it's more they don't fully understand the scheme, which is kind of a scary thought because that's going to take time if that is the case. And playing scared means you play slow. Right. If you play scared to mess up, if you're scared to be out of position, it's just like anything in life. If you're scared of failure, you're going to fail. You're not going to do well. It's not a way to go about anything, especially in the NFL. Right. And I'm afraid that's what we saw. All right, funeral's over, folks. Let's turn the page. We are turning the page, metaphorically. We are going to go on to the Lions game. All right, so sort of like last week, let's talk about what the Lions have on offense and defense. So on offense, they have quarterback Jared Goff. We did see him last year in the playoffs for the Rams. I think he's a decent starting quarterback. He's not somebody I'm overly concerned about. No, I, I don't think that he... I mean, he can beat you. He had flashes in L.A., but I don't think he's... He's definitely not somebody to be super concerned about. Now, we said the same thing last week. I was going to say, <laughs> going in, I would have said I'm more nervous about, going to last week, I would have said I'm more nervous about Jared Goff and Jameis Winston. Me too. <sighs> yes. <laughs> Everything is in perspective, right? And this yep. is, again, if the team shows up. Now, what I am for sure am worried about is the one-two punch of DeAndre Swift and our beloved Mr. Jamal Williams. Love that man. I think that DeAndre lived up to his name. He looked pretty swift and explosive in yep. week one. Yep, he did. And Jamal Williams, happy as ever. Of course. Can he be any other way? I mean, Jamal will give you exactly what you expect. Great pass blocking mm-hmm. from the running back position. Great set of hands and route running from the running back position. And reliability. He's not going to fumble. He's not going to take off for 50 yards. That's Swift's job. Yeah. But just reliability and consistency. I think that's what they saw. I mean, he had a pretty good game last week. Over 100 yards total, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. We've seen that firsthand when Jones would go down. He can step up to the plate and, and knock it out. So, And they kind of rely on that offensively because they have no one playing wide receiver. 
You know, normally, Luke, I would really jump on that bandwagon, <laughs> right? They have young guys. They have Khalif Raymond, Tyrell Williams, uh, Quintez Cephas, Amonor St. Brown, brother of EQ St. Brown. Yep. Former Packer. Amon Ra is better than EQ. Who isn't? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that came out as mean. Sorry, EQ, but... Quintus Cephas looked good. Quintus Cephas looked really good at that comeback. He had that toe touch for the two-point yep. conversion. I mean, this offense is definitely one that is going to rely on their two running backs. And you have Iowa Hawkeye alum, TJ Hawkinson. He's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem. He's no George Kittle. Nobody is. But he had, what, like 10 to 15 targets last week. I expect yep. another high volume load this week. Yeah. Uh, if I was them... I would definitely utilize him in kind of the Darren Waller role. Just keep throwing the football to him. He's your best target. He's what you got. Just keep doing it. Miners couldn't stop him. I mean, we couldn't stop anybody. We've never been good at stopping tight ends. Mm-mm. So I doubt that changes this week. Bad against tight ends. Yep. Bad against the run. I mean, people seem to think that we're just going to steamroll the Lions. Folks, I'm not so sure. This is going to be a game. Yeah, I mean, the Lions put up, what, 33 points, something like that? Now, a lot of that was garbage time. True. But, here's a big but. The Lions got smacked in the face. They're down by 20-something. But you know what they did, folks? They got back up. They stood up and they fought back. Who we didn't do? Can you imagine that? (laughs) Can you imagine that? What a concept. Crazy. Yeah. The NFC title game is the only game I can think of in the floor era where we go down by over 14. And, and we get we up and back. fight back. Yep. Normally we just lie down. We just lie down. All right. That's that. Call it a day. And do you want to know why the Lions did that? Dan Campbell? Dan Campbell. Oh, he is. <laughs> Folks, if you have not seen Dan Campbell mic'd up week one, it's a real treat. You're welcome. He's a treasure. Absolute <laughs> national treasure. <laughs> Love him. They got a lot of characters in that team between him. Jamal. Jamal Williams. Ugh. All right. Any other thoughts on the offense? Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, one thing I do want to mention. they um, Their left tackle is out. Penay Sewell? No, Taylor Decker, who was the left tackle. Penay Sewell slid over from right tackle to left tackle. From what I've heard, he didn't look great in the preseason at right tackle. Slides over to a harder position, right? Left tackle is generally harder. Mm-hmm. Goes up against a crazy talented defensive line week one. And played very well. So that could be a problem. I don't think that Preston Smith or even Z is as good as that defensive line that he just went up against. Yeah, that Bosa guy's pretty good, as we remember. And he pretty much stonewalled Bosa. So that that's pretty good. Now, right tackle, I believe he's actually hurt as well. But Matt Nelson, that's going to be where we can maybe take advantage a little bit in the pass rush. For sure. So that'll be interesting. I think that could be a good matchup. Uh, whoever we we have over, Penesul, Gary, Preston Z, whoever it may be, I think you're less likely. But still, he's a rookie. There's a chance you can catch him off guard, maybe do some stunts, that kind of thing, figure something out. So that'll kind of be what I'm looking for outside of, you know, how many yards does TJ Hawkinson get on us? And they have Frank Ragnow at center, and he's an absolute stud. So he's very good. I could see him taking Kenny Clark out of the game. Yeah. Almost like we're going to need, you know, somebody else on that defensive line to step up. It's weird we should talk about that sometime. <sighs> I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> somebody please prove me wrong. Here's open. Yeah, here's open. All right, so defense? Defense. I mean, they got some names, right? Michael Brower, Michael Brockers, Trey Flowers. 
Jamie Collins. You got some seasoned veterans in the front seven. That's a nice way to put it. They're all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm not going to completely <laughs> crap on them because when I do that, bad things happen. Chris Hogan. <laughs> yes, Chris Hogan. Again, if you're still listening, I'm, I'm still sorry. You know, the, the Niners were able to move up and down the field on this team. We should be as well. We should be able to. Similar offenses when we actually do... Run the ball? When we run the ball, when we actually do our jet, our jet sweep motion. You know, similar yeah. concepts. So I, I don't think we should have a problem moving the ball offensively. If Debo Samuel can get 189 yards... And Debo's great, right? Yeah. He's not Devontae. Not even close. Devontae should be able to shred these guys. Especially no Jeff Akuda. He's mm-hmm. out for the year. Um by far the most talented player in their defense backfield, I think. Uh, I Melifanu's a rookie. Melifanu's a rookie. Um, I can't even say the other one. Oruwarie? He's young, too. Yeah. A lot of a lot of youth in that secondary, which, you know, I thought last week would play to our strengths, and it didn't. Paulson Adebo, that pick, though. That, yep. Yep. The good news is, there's no Marshawn Lattimore this week. So, that should help. Honestly, when Lattimore was in or out of the game, I didn't, I didn't feel a difference. I felt like just as a whole, we were so deflated. Normally, I'd be like, oh my God, go after him. And last week, I was just like... It didn't even matter. Okay. Well, we're not going to do anything anyways, so... So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, this is a defense we should be able to take advantage of. We said that last week. We did. <laughs> I mean, it's, well, up, it's up to you, Packers. Right? <laughs> Luke and I could sit here and talk and... Explain what we think should happen and matchups we see and things to take advantage of. But if you guys don't show up, then it really doesn't matter. Correct. We're not playing. Unless they call Devin for Monday night and play free safety. I'll see what I can do. All right. All right. So now let's move on to the rest of the NFC North. Okay. So thankfully, the rest of the NFC North is also 0-1 after week one. The Bears went to SoFi and played the Rams. And I actually thought... Played pretty well. They hung pretty close for a while. All things considered. Yeah. They were clearly outclassed. Um, but once again, they didn't lay down. Montgomery had a lot of good carries in the first half, which is really surprising considering they have that, you know, Aaron Donald guy. Here, he's kind of good. Correct. Yeah, he, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> and that Bears offensive line is uh, not. Suspect to say yeah, the least. The, the least. Um, but yeah, Montgomery looked great. Underutilized Allen Robinson, I think, a little bit, but... Overall, not bad. Andy Dalton wasn't terrible. He was just kind of Andy Dalton. I feel so bad that he's going to get booed this week, though. He does not deserve that. Yeah, he's going to, definitely. Especially any time that Justin Fields walks off the field. Because you know he's going to. They're going to, like I said, they're going to have packages and stuff for him. It's only going to increase, I believe. Also, I will point out that I called the goal line package. Just saying that now. It was like, what, for one play, though? Yeah, and he scored a touchdown. Oh, I guess I missed that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well said, sir. So well I called said. that. But, um, yeah, he's going to come off the field. He's going to play a little bit. And then he's going to come off the field. And Dalton comes on the field. Instant Ooh. boot. Every time. Every single time. And I feel bad for that guy. He's been nothing but a professional through this whole thing. He knows. He's not the long-term starter there. I'm given his age and, realistically, his talent compared to Justin Fields. But the ceiling, for sure. The ceiling. But he's been nothing but a professional about it the whole time. So, Justin Fields has handled it pretty well. It'll be interesting 
to see that mix as we go through the season. Like, do they kind of mesh at some point? Do they do a 50-50? Do they just flip one week? Probably maybe week four be a good week to look out for that. What's interesting, though, is in these next few games, they only face one really good pass rusher, which is Miles Garrett. Right. But then later on, they get a really tough schedule. I don't have it memorized off my head, but it gets rough with pass rushers. So I almost think that you should start him sooner than later, like this week or next week. Obviously, I'm not doing it this week, but get him in, get his feet wet, because if you start him against one of these teams, like a great pass rusher, you could kill the kid's confidence. Yeah, you could create happy feet, terrible habits. Like you said, confidence. It could be a, a real problem. Because, yeah, we, play, we both play the NFC West this year, obviously, which is nothing but pass rushers, oh, yeah. essentially, at this point. That is the best division in football, I think. Yeah, hands down. Uh, you see Chandler Jones? Oof. Only five sacks. Oof. It could be a problem. Uh, <laughs> and it was against the Titans, too. It wasn't some Joe Schmoes. Like, right. That was a division. That's a good offensive year. line. Exactly. So. Tyler Lewan was so embarrassed. He had to go, like, online. <laughs> was like, I'm sorry. Thank you for exposing me, Chandler Jones. <laughs> it felt really weird from a professional athlete to do that. He's an interesting guy. I don't know if you've seen some of his stuff, but... Maybe now I should. I'm intrigued. He's an interesting guy. So this week, the Bears go play at the Bengals, who last week beat the Vikings. Little surprise, they were labeling the Bengals beating the Vikings as an upset? Uh, See, that's hard, because I just think don't necessarily know what the Bengals are going to look like this season. Um, How good was Joe Burrow going to be coming off injury? That kind of thing. That's I would have thought that was more or less a toss-up game. Per, that's fair. Perfect. Toss-up. But, but not that the, the Vikings should have been overwhelming favorites. No, absolutely not. Heavens no. Good game. I mean, I hated that the game bled into ours, so we missed the beginning of ours. But that's uh, just another reason to hate the Vikings. <laughs> if we needed another one. If we needed another one. Kirk Cousins spreading anti-vaccine nonsense. Folks, get the vaccine. It saves lives. And there's my nurse plug for the day. There we go. All done. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Vikings and their wonderful quarterback that I love oh so much, they go to the Cardinals. That's going to be a fun game. That's going to be a fun game. You're right. The because, Cardinals look really good. Oh, that's not why I think it's going to be fun. Chandler Jones. Because Chandler Jones. Yeah. Wrecking Kirk Cousins. And Chandler Jones is going to hurt Kirk Cousins. And then maybe, you know, his... Okay, okay. I'll wake up and think okay. about things differently. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. Okay, I'm looking forward to Kyler Murray. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, weapons galore. AJ Green just rolling out the casket, having him pop out, run some <laughs> routes. <laughs> Man, they really got to bring back Larry Fitz. He has to come back just so they can have the two... 40-year-old guys. They're both like <laughs> six foot five. You know, this is prime 10, 2010 fantasy receivers. They have so many interesting receivers, right? They got Rondale Moore, um, who I think had a pretty good game. Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk. Uh, is Andy Isabella still there? I hope he is. I hope so, too. Guys like what? Like 5'9", 5'11"? Nothing but... Super fast. Yeah, just a burner. Love that guy. Um, doesn't really do anything, but that's fine. Just a lot of receiving talent on that team. Mm-hmm. And you mix that in, Chase Edmonds, Kyler Murray running. Just a fun team. That's a fun team to watch. A lot of different angles to defend with that team. Yep. Yep. And obviously, what's the next step for Kyler Murray, right? He had a good season last year. Can he step that up a notch? Great threat running. He's a little guy, so you kind of got to be careful. But I believe he only had like 26 touchdown passes last year. You know, can he up that passing a little bit? Week one, great start. And with all the weapons, I can't, I can't see how he doesn't. I would agree. 
Everywhere you throw is a talented pass catcher. His elusiveness reminds me of Vic, but he's a lot better at avoiding the big hit. That was Vic's biggest issue. He's got a little Russell Wilson in, in him like that. Mm-hmm. Russell's pretty good at that. Um, which is good because he's, he's a small guy. I mean, what, they list him at like 5'11 or 6 foot or That's something. That's generous. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> That's not generous. That's a lie. My dude's like 5'9", maybe. So... <laughs> In cleats, he's 5'9". Yeah, he looks like if you create a player to be like a normal person size and you have him play quarterback or something in Madden, that's what he looks like out there. <laughs> just running around. 99 speed, 99 acceleration, <laughs> just making the defense look stupid. And like 5'8". Perfect. But on some, there was one run in particular where he, he's he's in the pocket, was in the pocket, scrambling. He gets around like six titans like it's nothing and he's still keeping his eyes down the field and that's, that's the, the important part that's yeah. the key also another key is chandler jones calls him baby yoda that's an important thing to keep in mind i could see it yeah they have the same forehead thing they going do. on they do so he does look like an adult baby i gotta give him that <laughs> kyler murray don't hurt the packers don't hurt us please he's gonna look like he's 25 years old when he's 55 good for him god bless him yep absolutely and on defense you also got buddha baker who i love you baker Love some Buda Baker. He's just like a smaller Tyron Matthew. Like they, yep. the, the exact same thing. Yep. Out of the safety position, flies everywhere, big hitter. Does everything. Always around the ball. Mm-hmm. How do they get two of those? I don't know. Imagine if they had both of them at the same time. That would be impressive. Shh, mind blown. All right. So we're at our we're at our 45-minute mark, mm-hmm. which last time was a little too long. We'll see if we can fix our editing issues. Anything else you want to add going into uh, week two? Please win, Packers. Just just please win. I don't want to hear about it for another week. Yeah, this was a really this is a rough week. I know at work I'm walking around. Obviously there's coworkers you know that yeah. you talk football with. I see them down the hall, I'm like, All right, Doc, come over. Let me have it. Let me hear all right. about it. They're I know, all Bears I know fans. you've been looking to see me. All right. Just please win. Show up. Do your job. Don't be dumb. I like that. A little Belichicky. It's a good motto for life. Show up, do your job, don't be done. Yep. All right, folks, that's going to be it for us. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Catch you next week.